you know, the minute you lose a temper with someone or shout at someone or the minute you allow anybody to have any turf or territory or personal interest or ego, yeah, you, know, you, you just can't allow that. Well, hello and welcome to the first ever episode of WAB Chat. My name's Sam Ridgway and it gives me great pleasure to introduce the first guest we've ever had on this show and I couldn't think of a more fitting person to to launch the WAB Chats podcast. Sir John Crabtree is the chairman of White and Black Limited and Sir John has just enormous experience in the legal and business world. His his legal career actually began back in 1971 when he joined Rag & Co and he remained there and rising through the ranks to head of corporate then managing partner and finally senior partner and John was actually voted UK Lawyer of the Year in 2003. And believe me, I could go on and on listing John's accolades. Um, it's something that he would really not enjoy. But just a few more. John is former president of Birmingham Chamber of Commerce and Industry. And he was actually appointed Her Majesty's Lord Lieutenant for the West Midlands in 2017. But most recently, and actually forming the topic of discussion for this podcast, Sir John was made chair of the organising committee for the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. And in heading up this organising committee, John faced significant challenges, um, not least a global pandemic hitting in the years leading up to the Games, disrupting things, as you'll hear from John shortly. But by all accounts, the Games were a brilliant success. Over 1.3 million tickets sold, 700,000 of which went to local West Midland postcodes. The most inclusive games on record for the first time we had a fully integrated para sports program and there were more female medal events than male medal events for the first time actually in any multi-sporting competition. So all in all, it was the, the greenest, the most inclusive and actually the fastest delivered games to date. And as is the case with the organisation of any global event of this magnitude, there were hurdles to overcome and, and problems to navigate for John, which he discusses in this episode. But I thought I'd start by asking John about the context within which he took on this role and in particular how the global pandemic impacted the start of his organisation project. If it's right with you, John, we could start with that with that context. So um, obviously the pandemic hit a couple of years before the games but it had that kind of knock-on effect with with delaying other sporting events did did that come into it yeah so um you've got to cast my mind back of course so i mean the initial the initial challenge was that we only had four years basically from the time of my appointment almost the day i think um we normally get about seven or eight for these things i mean I, it's quite hard to explain to people before their event what a challenge it is but once mm. once they see the event itself oh so i get it now so yeah you're talking about birmingham receiving yeah one and a half million tickets for one, one million visitors yeah just, just think of the transport security infrastructure volunteers yeah it's a massive thing which which there is no yeah there was no there's nothing in place for it it's just you start on a blank piece of paper so when i was appointed i was told that um there was some interim people who were 
had been appointed who had started working on the games. So I went to an office block in Aston on about the seventh floor where there were 30 people all sort of sitting there giggling together, you know, 30 people, you know, and you knew you were going to end up with 1,500 people and 14,000 volunteers, let alone, yeah. let alone all the stakeholders involved, all the local authorities, central government. So, you know, they were just, just get, and, didn't, and they weren't Brummies, they were Australians and Canadians. And so, they, you know, obviously they were just finding their way, really. So, mm. four years ago, that was, you know, it began to even, and I, to be honest with you, I didn't realize the scale of it until probably the opening ceremony. Just what a, really? what a, well, really, what a massive thing it was. Because could, it normally takes seven years. The, yeah. the usual well, timeline is seven years. Once you once you get out and about, I mean, I, what I wasn't able to do is go and look at all the events and all the all the work that was going on. I didn't have time. Yeah, you know, I'm working as well as doing this, so so there were things I needed to focus on rather than just swanning around and looking at everything. But you only had to go to you know one of the seventeen eighteen venues to realise what the. Uh, yeah, the work that just take someone like Warwick's a cricket club where you think, oh, put the cricket on there, no problem at all. But of course, everything has to be taken out. All the signage, all the whole, everything, it has to be represented for the games. Um, oh, cool. So, so, so that just that, that is just a massive project, yeah, massive on it on its own. Um, re recruiting people just purely for security. The fact that you know, half of them probably wouldn't turn up on the day, they didn't actually have turned out. Yeah, there was just oh, every single thing. And that was before COVID came along. What COVID did, of course, um, it did two big things. One is it put all the the capital bills in jeopardy. Because yeah, if you remember how COVID started, it was high risk. Yeah. So whether you could expect people to carry on turning up on site and doing building work, big question mark. Come by that in a second if you'd like me to. It was a good story there. The second thing is it made recruitment a nightmare because we... It, it, we were going from like, yeah, it's like white and black being a startup and saying, right, over the next four years, we need to recruit 100 people the first year, 200 the next, you know, 700 the year after that, 800 in the last year. Well, those last two years, you know, we were recruiting people online. Wow. Yeah. And, and then even harder, Sam Ridgway joins White and Black. He turns up the office, he meets people, he shakes hands, and he whereas this guy does corporate law and he does intellectual property and that's the accounts team. You know, and you get you find your place. In our case, we had people being recruited different on different projects who who never it, all they could do is work in a silo with that particular project team, and never got to see the wider picture. So in terms of seeing the wider picture, culture, values, you know, coming together realizing that actually you couldn't do the bit of Warwickshire unless you also did a bit with a comms team, did a bit of the PR team, you, you know, did a bit with the suppliers, contractors, um, made, made that really difficult. And then, and then of course, we started having all the problems with supplies that you had, every business in the UK had. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. We started being told that things weren't going to arrive. Yeah, things we'd ordered and booked and, well, they're, they're stuck at Tilbury Docks or they're not even here at all. Um, and then go back to the construction side of it. Mm. The two big construction, there were three big construction. One was a, the, the Athletes Village, which was going to be a Perry Bar. Then there was a Perry Bar Alexander Stadium itself and then a brand new aquatic centre. So I went to the, the two main stadia fairly early on and the contractors there were amazing. They, they had... Um, they got all that. Both of them had about two hundred and fifty people on site. They got them all. To, in both cases, they got them together. They were different contractors, different sites, 
but in both cases, mirror image. They got them all together and said, look, this this thing, COVID, sounds pretty dangerous. You know, and if you come in every day, you're risking being ill yourselves. And obviously, you're more, more at point. You're risking going back to your pregnant wives or your grandparents or you know, babies and, and maybe doing them some serious harm. And we can't protect you from that. We can try and get you to come in different different entrances maybe that would help a bit so you're not all together we could organize different canteens but you're still going to be at risk and you know we'd understand if you wanted to pack it up and they all put their hand up and said no we're going to carry on well wow. yeah. really and they did and they built them both on site yeah within budget wow phenomenal, phenomenal really so you've been very kind and talked about by NITO, but there were a lot of huge number of unsung heroes really who were just phenomenal when i went around the aquatic center two years later probably so the seating was in one of the one of the one of the guys came up to me and said yeah you're obviously a knob who are you so i said oh, don't worry i'm just coming around and he said well i just need you to understand if it's got anything to do with you that's where boris is going to sit and i'm sitting here <laughs> and he reserved a seat in his mind yeah about a row behind a few rows down he's always going to lob an egg at him or something <laughs> And that was, yeah, that's how they were. The spirit yeah. there was just phenomenal. They knew they'd done something really special. That's amazing. Where, yeah. where do you think that, so the, you talk about the contractors, a lot of those across the games were local as well. Yeah. And yeah, you, they were. you work quite hard to, to keep that. Yeah. yeah, that was absolutely determined. Yeah, absolutely. Num number one for me was that, you know, we get all the benefits to land in the West Midlands, wherever we could. So, with everything, you know, we, I could talk about this forever. We put a social value waiting in the procurement contracts, so I think no one's ever done before. So that meant, obviously, procurement contracts are, you know, there's a procurement process, you'll know that, white and black, I know that. But, but we were able to put within the parameters for every bid, you'd have to say what your social value would be, what social value you would create. Uh, and we said that 10% of the waiting would be allocated to that. So that gave us the opportunity to not necessarily always go for the best price, or that you know, uh, or at least negotiate around social value. Okay, and then one of the things is obviously academies, training, bringing local people in, apprentices. You know, not just charitable stuff, but also how you got to create skills and jobs that would yeah, remain yeah. remain after the games. Yes, of course, and that's a huge part, isn't it? The yeah, yeah, the legacy element, which yeah, maybe exactly. maybe come come on to. Um, just, just one, just one last thing, because I to finish it off. So the, um, the 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 um, athletes' village would have been at Perry Bar, so that that was going to be um, probably housing around five thousand people, and would would end up being a permanent new homes in Perry Bar, which is one of the poorest wards in in Birmingham. It was quite clear fairly early on that what once COVID started, that that was never going to be finished on time. Mm. Um, so that you know that was you can imagine that was a bit headache. You got nowhere to put the villagers, all the athletes. So, um, so Birmingham University and Warwick University in particular stepped. Yeah, you know, we spent a lot of time talking to them about it, and we housed the athletes in those two universities. And that that turned out to be a great success, actually, and probably is a model for future games because uh, the other thing you want to do is have a carbon neutral game. So you don't you don't really want to be building lots of new buildings and lots of new stadiums that just become. No. Yeah, you know, white elephants afterwards. So, to find a way of using existing facilities, and I, that was case in point with the um, with the redevelopment um, at Alexander Stadium as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
and and even to the to the level where I was reading about with the tickets, it, um, I think it, it sort of came with certainly public transport. I don't know if it's free public transport, but if you bought a ticket, that that was also yeah. down to that minute. Yeah, transport. and I've lost. I've, I can't give her the stats any longer. I would have been able to once, but I'm afraid time's moved on, hasn't it? But a large number of the tickets were you know low value. Twenty. I think quid. it was. I think it was twenty five. Um, pounds was the median price yeah, and, and yeah. the bulk of them were under 20 pounds I yeah, think. exactly that and that included transport as well so the idea, the idea was again I, I think reasonably novel was to you know, to charge a lot for the corporate seats and a big ticket you know, make those expensive because you know they're going to go eventually and, and, and use the, the money we're making out of that to subsidize in effect pay for all the what you might call the the, you know, the less expensive tickets, and and end up with a ticket budget that would work if you sold enough. Yeah, but and and going back to the um, the regional legacy, if you like, I think seven hundred thousand went to West Midland postcodes. Yeah, they did. I think so. You keep right. you keep it. Yeah, so we had two as well, which is amazing. There were two preferential, weren't there? I've forgotten now. I think there were two bites of the cherry for West Midland postcodes before yeah. they went on. Before they went on general sale, yeah, yeah, which is novel, isn't it? That's, I feel that, that, that yeah. whole approach to things. Feels the, very the, the, the tricky bit was getting the pricing, was making sure the balance was right. Because at the end of the day, you've got to make the money you've got to make. Mm. You can't just give it all away, obviously. So you have you have to look at your you've got to make the budget work. So you have to look at the, the overall budget. You have to do all your costings. That was before COVID came along, of course, added all these extra costs. Um, so you can't just say, "Well, that's a bung away a million tickets of twenty pounds." You can't, you can't do that. You have to say, "Yeah, what do we need to make from tickets? We need to make X million pounds, right? Well, how, you know, how can we allocate those in a way? How can we stretch that in a way that will deliver that amount, but but also, you know, deliver lots of you know low price tickets to people who wouldn't otherwise get anywhere near sport?" Because at the end of the day, that's what you're, you know, what are you, what are you trying to do? Well, you're trying to give people a great opportunity. But if you if you took someone like Samuel, for example. I can't give you the number, but it's pretty awful. It's pretty staggering. I think there's something like um, only one in 100 children in Samuel have ever had any experience of swimming or water. Yeah, d- 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 you, yeah. if you wanted to wow. quote me, I'd have to go back and give you the stat, but it's something very striking. Mm. Sam was an in, in a city ward in, a, in, the, in the middle of the Midlands, yeah, and then there's just no access to that. So it's, it's really important to, you know, to try and come up with a ticket price that is accessible. Mm. For which, local people, yeah, yeah. Which, by all accounts, you, you yeah, I think do. so. It's just it is fascinating. I mean, you could do you could do ten different conversations on on that alone, and you could break yeah. it down into so many elements yeah, this you size. Um, but maybe we can we can go back to you, you talk about people working um, in silos or, or working individually for this for this bigger common goal, and you're at the head of that. And you're pushing that forward, um, chairing the organisation committee. Are there key lessons, key learnings that for you that have come out of organising such an event that are, to your mind, at least transferable, transferable. into well, the business world, into what into what you did, into what we do? I suppose so. It's not. It, it's not rocket science. I won't say anything that's going to be. Um, people going to say, "Wow!" It's all. Yeah. All these things are absolute common sense. So that's maybe you don't always realise it. So, 
I mean, obviously, you, 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 you can't deny the fact that values, you know, the way an organisation presents itself and behaves comes from the top. You, you can't avoid that. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, I'll give you a really good example of that. The policing for the games was fantastic. That, because they were all, yeah, obviously security was vital, but they were all briefed to be really, you know, friendly and welcoming and helpful. Now, that comes from the chief constable. It doesn't come from anybody else. If the chief constable is just you know, a man who's been shouting and yelling at people for five years, then whatever he says, not, yeah, you have to build that culture. Yeah, but he was able, he's actually, he's retired now. It was just terrific. But he'd built a culture of Westminster Police that they understood that's how they had to behave. And so, in my 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 sense, you know, the way you treat your staff, the way you treat your people, critically, the way you deal with stakeholders, because you've got you've got all the local authorities. You know, there are obviously Birmingham was the main one, and the combined authorities are the main one. But you've also got Sam, you know, Samwell, Surly Hull involved, Warwickshire as well. Um, you, the mountain biking staff, so a lot of local authorities involved. Coventry, a big one. You, you want all those stakeholders. You want the people who are responsible for the legacy side of it. You know, the jobs and skills academies. They've all got to present themselves in a certain way. Mm. And obviously, because you, what you're trying to do is build up momentum. So when the thing starts, you know, it's a happy, cheerful, positive event. You know? and, and 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 therefore the way you conduct yourself is crucial. The, the minute you yeah, the minute you lose your temper with someone or shout at someone or the minute you allow anybody to have any turf or territory or personal interest or ego, yeah, you, know, you, you just can't allow that. And you have to set the standard. You have to make it quite clear. So it sounds really trite, but if you're chairing the board of all those different stakeholders, Commonwealth Games Federation, UK, all those different people are represented there. The minute you allow one of them to have a yeah, too much say... Yeah, the, 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 you know, the boat starts tipping over, doesn't it? Mm. So you have to just make it clear right from the start and I thought in a quite charming way that's not going to happen. Yeah. yeah. They were all in this together and the, the people who... Uh, I'll give you lots of examples of you know, ways of doing that, but, the, the, but the, the people who see the bigger picture work for the bigger picture rather than their own personal bit they're responsible for, they're representing, or their own personal you know, self-glory... Uh, the people who see the bigger picture are the ones that get the most support. You know, the, the message gets out in the end. It's, mm. it's, a, it's like running a law firm. It's a daily thing. You have to be at it every single day. So I was going to ask, do you, do you go in with that in mind and, and you set that out? You set that stall out early? Yeah, without people realising you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Without then, people realising, okay. Yeah, you've got to remember you're a non-exec. So the last thing you want to do is interfere too much. Mm. Because that's yeah, you know, that's just gets in the way of the executives. That's yeah, you know, that's the last thing you want to do. But then the people you appoint, the key people, so all that recruitment early on. Yeah, I was as much interested in people's personalities as I was in their skills, which which okay. most people wouldn't do probably. But it, but for this, it's absolutely essential. That lots of people apply to be chief exec who who would have had the skill set to organize an event like that i say lots you wouldn't apply for that unless you had a pretty strong cv you certainly wouldn't have got to an interview obviously unless you had a strong cv mm. so a bit like good lawyers you could you start to take that bit for granted um so what you're looking for is selflessness grace under pressure seeing the whole the bigger picture how you believe people should behave themselves conduct themselves how people react under stress there's going to be a lot of stress you know you need, yeah you, so that 
spent a lot of time with the senior team. Ch ch changed a bit of the senior team after a while. Yeah. Because because they didn't have that quality. Okay. So can't, do you, you, you realise that fairly yeah, early on, was that on? Yeah, I shouldn't give you examples of that, but yeah, one or two people who clearly had the, the skills of a specialist area they were representing, but they weren't the right sort of people. And you have to you have to make those difficult decisions quickly. It's yeah. something we um we talk about quite a lot, and I suppose we notice it because we're a smaller firm. But you to get the the right kind of person is so important because it it, it can have huge waves if it if it isn't quite yeah. right. No, and exactly. you really notice it, and and particularly in a smaller team. But I suppose also with something a timeline as tight as that. But they're all small you know. teams, in effect, you see, Sam, yeah. that's the point. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Whichever, you know, 1,500 people, say, but whichever team you're looking at, specifically, are relatively small. Feeding into that bigger... Yeah, yeah exactly, yeah. yeah. So if the leadership of those teams, sub-teams, is not, is not right, then... And the, the, you could spend, spend more time sorting out... What today people would call HR issues, I wouldn't call them that at all, but cultural issues, you know, things have gone wrong. Then anything else, if you're not careful. Mm. And, and normally it's because it's too late. The damage is done. And you've lost, a you've lost the trust in the organisation. And you know what, it tr trust takes for years, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> you don't get it overnight. So if, it's da you know, if, you have, if you've lost that, um, the enormous amount of effort to try and get it back. Yeah, it's just, and there isn't time with some project like this. You've got to get on with it. So, you so what is it for you to be able to do that? Is that um, past experience, or because you're you're managing that, you could you could, like you say, do it forever. But you've also got to keep on track to a yeah. timeline. There's a million one other things to do, and you're working outside of that. So, how um, do you sort of balance that? Yeah. So, there are lots of, lots of tricks in the game, aren't there? But what what do is yeah, you if you're an exec chair you, you get, get get close to most of the levers and you see where the strengths and weaknesses are and and then you you obviously take a bit of a flyer on the strengths if you think that person you know, is really competent at what they're doing and doing it the right sort of way so leave them alone a bit really and then you know you focus on quietly focus on the areas where you're a bit more nervous mm -hmm. and 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 to, uh, years ago I, I can't tell you who it was unfortunately but um, I went on a trip which I didn't need to do to Uganda for three days because I had a serious doubt about the person I was going with, the executive. And how was I ever going to find out whether my instinct was right? But to spend a lot of time with them. So I put my hand in the air and said, I'll go on, on this trip with you. And by the time I came back, I realized I got the wrong person. But, okay. I, but I would never have got to that point going to monthly meetings mm. and having having zoom calls and you know maybe a day a month with them you know you, you needed you know, that, that level of because it just person was a good operator <laughs> did that yeah. three days so yeah cover that tracks pretty well you know, yeah yeah present yeah, yeah. you know people present themselves to chairs perfectly don't they of course they do so yeah yeah you know so yeah, it's a bit of that and a, a lot of um obviously you've got a non-exec board so getting them focusing on different areas is really helpful but first of all you've got to make sure that they're the right people that you're happy with what they're going to do they're not going to go in there bulldoze in there and undo everything you're trying to do and then secondly you've got to get them engaged they're all non-exec they're all volunteers so there's no good as saying sam would you mind spending a lot of time on this because sam's got his job to do 
um, again, lots of obvious things like you know, never let meetings overrun. Mm-hmm. You know, if you've got a four-hour board meeting, it ends at three. It ends at three because if you do that, people will people will come and they'll pay attention because they know that three o'clock they can go do something else. If you start running board meetings when they go on to four or five, six, so they start drifting off, mm. or the bit they're really interested in, and they start thinking, well, I'll, yeah, we'll never get to that. You, ha- you have to find ways of getting people to think this is worth me doing this. Yeah, I'm not going to waste my time doing this. Um, and if I've, if, yeah, and then of course you can say, would you mind looking at this? And then they think, yeah, well, I can make a difference there because I realize it, I realize the chair will listen to me because the way he's treated me so far. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain it really, but it's 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 common sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It well, it strikes me as fairly um, simplistic things in a way. But it's keeping on top of those in in that tight pressure environment yeah. Yeah. with the deadline looming as well. Which yeah. and they could so easily slip away, couldn't they? Because you have that. Oh, easily. Of course, it can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The games are going to start on that day, whether you're ready or not. Yeah. So, and then humor's a, yeah, humor's pretty useful. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think you were right there, then, John. Well, you know what I mean, though. I think I think that's you know trying desperately not to be pompous, not your own bottom line. You know, allowing people to take the piss out of you and finding funny things. I think I shock most boards normally with the stuff I come out with. <laughs> really? but that, yeah, I try to actually because that means they feel they can. You know, people, even the most eminent people are cautious about what they say in these meetings because there are other eminent people around the table. So you have to understand that none of us are super confident. So yeah. It, if, even if it was really, really tough stuff, which of course during the games there were lots of tough issues to talk about. Um, yeah, if finding a way of being lighthearted about it, so people think, "Oh, I can toss that in; it doesn't matter what I say." You know, you know, I'd have to construct this wonderfully brilliant speech before I open my mouth. Yeah, really important. Also, you- encourages encourages people not to talk when they haven't got anything useful to say. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And you lead that by the way that you set the tone and. Well, I try to. Yeah, always, yeah. But partly my own boredom threshold as well. You need to have a laugh, don't you? you can't. Four hours of slogging through <laughs> organising committee papers. Yeah, you, need, you need to find something that keeps you amused. But, yeah, I'd normally find something daft, yeah. Uh, yeah, just remind people. It's only little things, isn't it? But you have to you have to keep at it. Yeah. That's, that's it, the whole time, always. You want, you want people to... Not think, oh my god, yeah, this is an organizer gonna be bored me, I've got to turn up for that. It won't be oh that'd be all right, looking forward to that. It's it's the same coming to work on Monday morning, isn't it? Mm. Mm. Yeah, white and black was a sort of miserable place. You'd be thinking, Oh, bloody hell, it's Monday morning. Hmm? That's that's no good to anybody, is it? Well, I get to come and uh, talk to you on a Monday morning, John, so Oh that was better. Last night was pretty grim, probably. <laughs> So you know what I mean there? You want people yeah, to... Yeah. yeah, it's obvious. It's I said to you at the beginning, it's all common sense. But a, a lot of it's discipline. Okay. Discipline okay. To, to keep on top of that. Self-discipline, like self-discipline. Keep, yeah, keep, keep, keep things moving all the time. Don't get things get stuck, you know. Keep things... Keep things ser- yeah, obviously it's, it's serious stuff, but it's not life and death. So keep, 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 keep things moving. Keep it relatively light-hearted. Keep, keep people engaged, keep people involved, keep people thinking this is worth doing. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not just worth doing because it's a big project and glamorous, but also it's quite good fun. You know, and I'm going to learn from it. Yeah. People thinking, yeah, if I turn up to this meeting, I'll learn something that'll be useful in my day job. Yeah. I think that's so important, isn't it? 
to engage people in that way, that they're going to get something from it too. And, pre- and presumably that, that board have left um, with their own lessons and their own learnings from it. They're bound to have done, aren't they? They're bound to have done. Yeah. They're bound to have done, yeah. Because it, obviously it wasn't easy. So n- no one would have found it easy. Everyone would have been stretched by it. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Let's say you're sharing the... Um, in your language, it would be called the contracts committee, and you're signing off your procurement contract for over five million pounds for all the bits and bobs that go with it. Probably a hundred pages of briefing, and then the contract itself. Yeah, that by anyone's standards, that's not yeah, that's not easy stuff. Mm. And if you get that wrong, yeah, and um, the procurement fails, goes wrong somewhere, yeah, that could go right to the heart of the whole project. So every, yeah. everybody's whatever their role is is going to be stretched. Yeah, it's so um, it's fascinating stuff. I could I could go on and on. How do you um, how do you sort of summarize it in your own mind? Because you might you must look back on it and obviously be immensely proud of the whole thing. But it's such a a, a huge scale achievement and, and project. How do you break it down? Is there something that sticks out particularly that you're you you think you're particularly proud to have over, overcome that? Yeah. So there's something. I think there's something. Um... Uh, there's a bit of switch gear missing in me. I have to acknowledge that. So Diana, my missus, gets it always from the very early days. So I'm running Ragnco, which has got itself in a bit of a mess, and we get some award. I can't, yeah, UK Law Firm of the Year award in the nineties or something. And by the time we've got it, yeah, my mindset, well, that, yeah, that was last year. Yeah, this is, it was, <laughs> yeah, we've still What's got that bloke. We've still got that toss a sandwich away to sort out with all the rest of it. Yeah. So, so when we get it, you know, I'm saying, yeah, okay, yeah. And, and she said, you, you, you're hopeless. You don't do yips. That's what she said. You don't do yips. I don't do yips. That's always, it's always tomorrow. Yeah, it's always. I just, so I've spent a lot of my time taking the word, you mentioned pride, taking pride and proud out of all the press releases about me. You yeah, grimaced not, when, you, when I said that. Well, not pr- it's not pride, is it? Proud. I mean, it's, it's a relief, actually. And, and also, yeah. also, it's in the past as well. So having to talk, some people have been, you know, I've had to go and do old speeches about it. And it's really hard to go back and, because that's not what I'm doing now. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it, it, obviously somewhere in there, there are some, it was hard work. So it's, there was never a, a moment really to jump up and down. So this is fantastic. It was always the next day. Okay. Yeah. So maybe maybe the closing ceremony when it was finally over, yeah, that was a good night. It was a good night, obviously. You could sit back and yeah, finally. But I mean, that's. Um, but then, yeah, n- next day, maybe two days later, we made over a thousand people redundant. So my mindset, but yeah, I couldn't really jump up and down and say it's fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> all these people were coming into the office and being given their redundancy notices. Now, yeah. a, a lot of people. I made that sort of commentary. Say, well, they all knew that when they were recruited. They all knew they were going to, yeah, going to end in August. But it's, life's not like that, is it? Make it easier in your end. Yeah, I thought. Actually, I thought, how disappointing is that? The people who said it to me, you don't get it at all, do you? These people have had experience of a lifetime. Also, because of the recruitment issues that the nation had, but also our COVID issues, we were always behind the curve on the people we needed. So they worked their socks off. Yeah, they were doing 60, 70 hour weeks. And then they got to the end, yeah, and exhausted and, ex- and exhilarated, obviously. And then they get a redundancy notice. And then they have to start looking for a job. So to, th- to think that would be easy for anybody. Mm. And, of course, they knew that was going to happen. So why are you worried about it, Sean? It's just, actually, it was, 
place had been shocking in my mind. So it was, diff it was difficult to do the episode people you're going to say goodbye to. Yeah. Does that make sense? And, yeah, completely. Yeah. But you just don't see that. So you see that, you know, from my perspective, you see the closing ceremony and that's that. But you, you don't see the two weeks afterwards. Um, yeah. On that, so on that were, side of it. They all had a... Obviously, some of them stayed on longer, but the great majority had, um, yeah, had a letter saying, you know, come into the head office between nine and eleven on Monday or eleven and one. Yeah, they were all staggered, and then when they came and they got given us a nice certificate and a nice letter from me and a and a P forty five. Mm. So, and they were knackers. Yeah, obviously thrilled, but knackers and. Um, and also, the back of their mind, yeah, will I ever do, whatever I do in my career now, will I ever do anything like that again? Yeah? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then those that weren't Midlanders, like Red Arrows, would all disappear. Yeah, so friendships would go onto social media rather than in a pub. Yeah, it's really tough, I think. I, I don't think I talked to anybody about that who got that at all. But you obviously have. Yeah, yeah, I completely you can actually that. see how difficult that would be for people. So it was quite hard the next day to be jumping up and down saying that was fantastic. I'm really proud of yeah. that. And it was hard. And the whole that all that you've spoken about in the last half an hour has revolved around people. And to think that after the closing ceremony, um, you know, that that sentiment disappears and it's suddenly back to the heartless, yeah. you know, cut through. It's just not the case, is it? And when you've built something like that. Yeah, I can only, I can only imagine. So yeah, and then obviously with the volunteers as well. Yeah, so then they had. A, I think university had just had a time of their lives, and were wonderful. And I, I met lots of them uh, during the games. They were fantastic. We had a fantastic. We got over five thousand of them came to a party in Digbeth. Wow, which, really? Yeah, yeah. Which, Not which, your house, I hope. No, no. <laughs> it was absolutely, it was phenomenal. So Digbeth is an area of Birmingham. It's got lots of restaurants and bars. We we. Put the whole took the whole area with security, so you came into this compound. Basically, it was fantastic. Wow! And they had the time of their lives, and it was just terrific. But again, you know, they were you knew that life was never going to be the same for them again. They had this fantastic memory. Yeah. Um, but not easy on Monday morning getting up and going to work after that. Well, there we have it. A huge thanks to Sir John Crabtree for being the first ever guest on Wab Chats. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you found it insightful. And I look forward to welcoming you on episode two of Wab Chats next time. Mm -hmm.